Scripture reading today is from James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, we were going to have another type of reading, but we're going to skip that for today and move right into um, what the Lord would give us from his word through James. But first, will you pray with me? Lord, we're thankful this morning. As weak vessels, God, we see that we need to be strengthened by you. So will you come now and give us uh, your word, oh God, from on high, and and the only way that you can do it. So, God, we are yielded to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, we are going to continue uh, our work through James. And uh, it's been a pleasant little letter for us to go through, being reminded of God's mercy and grace, being reminded uh, that God does give us wisdom to live our lives, and being reminded of our limitations as well. I don't know if you've been following the Olympics lately. Uh, I recognize that some of the Olympians, this is their last time being in the Olympics, uh, Olympic Games. Uh, there are a lot of weeping, but there are a lot of memories of the road that they have been on. I don't know if you noticed this week as well, I was struck by the, the high jumpers, the men's high jumper uh, competition. And there were uh, two, two finalists and both of them had a, a perfect record in their high jumps. And then the judges asked them the question. So, hey, both of you guys have cleared. Uh, do you want to share the gold medal? And they looked at one another, you know, like, do you, do you want to share? And they said, yes, let's share. And the excitement. I think they were just relieved that they didn't have to jump again because it was a lot of hard work. But nonetheless, they decided to humble themselves and to receive the gold uh, together and to split the earnings uh, instead of just trying to go back and see who can be the lone winner. We all have limitations as a human race. We're, we're limited. We're limited people, but God's grace is unlimited for us. When we are youthful, we often think, right? You remember being 17, 18, 19. You think that the world is just going to continue to go and it's filled with so many possibilities for you that is unending. You don't think about death that much. You think about life and living life and doing what you please. But we all have limitations. However, the arrogant believe that all things that they wish for will be fulfilled that they're in their grasp to do. Even though the song, I believe I can fly, is just a metaphor for achieving success, some really think that they can fulfill all the possibilities that they set their mind to. 
among these believers that James writes to who are in dispersion. They are scattered abroad the world, the known world at the time. James comes in to warn them to remain gospel center in their humility. We've talked some about that already. He reminds them to remain gospel center in their humility and through considering the providential care of God. The simple phrase in verse 15 is where we get the phrase, if the Lord wills. It teaches us that God is providential. This is not the first time that James mentions the will of God. In James 1.18, he says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creatures. We do not bring ourselves forward. God did by the word of truth, the word that he speaks, tied us to Jesus, given us over to his son who died for us. What are God's works of providence? The question is asked in the larger catechism of the Westminster Standards. And the answer is given. God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures. Only God can do that. God is ordering them and all their actions to his own glory. God created, created all before creation. It, is, it was not our plan that we would be created, but God's. Even after the rebellion of man and the trespasses against God, it was not our choice that we would be brought forth and renewed. It was solely by the word of truth coming from God. God sustains all. We see in Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God controls all. Think of the most powerful person you know, perhaps a king who has a lot of riches and is powerful over a nation or many nations. This is what God says according to Proverbs 21, verse 1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. This is God's providential care over the nations as he controls all in this world and in heaven above. Not only that, God also executes the plans that he has fixed in his mind. You know, we will strategize, we will plot, we will plan. But in the mystery of God's will, God executes his plans. We don't know how it all comes together. We don't know how it all happens, but he does. Proverbs 19, 21, many other plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. God's purposes will stand. And that should be good news to us because he is the immovable God and God is glorified in his providence. One writer notes the will of God is determined by the character of God. He cannot lie. There's no chance that he ever will. In a similar fashion, the will of man is determined by the character of man. And so long as the character of a man is sinful and corrupt, 
there is no chance that he will do that which is pleasing to God. But when God regenerates a man, when he saves a man so that he receives a new and different character, there is no chance that he will not begin to do good. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasures. Philippians 2, 13. We see God's providential care over all and in all. And it leads to this doxology. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Under God's providential care, friends, we see that James is helping us here. He uses words to, so that we can consider these two opposing characters in the passage. And he points to the motive of their hearts. The arrogant merchant and the Lord's merchant. He gives us a view of the arrogant merchant. What's the disposition of the heart of the arrogant merchant? The business person here. He has this type of presumptuous planning, right? We see this in verse 13. Come now, James says, you will say this to yourselves and to your friends and to your neighbors, your business partners. Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town or city and spend a year there and trade. And we will go and make a profit. That's what we will do. I can do what I please. It's the disposition of the heart. Today or tomorrow, we will go and and to this city or that city to do what we please. We can live as long as we please. We have a plan that for a year we can go and and spend there. And then we, the the men here, the the merchants here, they think they, they have a capacity even to execute the plan as they please. They want to make a profit. That's the end goal. What does this way of thinking forget? It forgets a very practical reality that we are all faced with every single day. James says in verse 14, yet do you not know what tomorrow will bring? What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. James is telling them, you, you're ignorant about the facts of tomorrow. No one knows that except God. He tells them plainly, you don't know what tomorrow will bring, friend. Tomorrow is not promised. Tomorrow is not promised. Out of all the promises that God makes, he does not promise tomorrow. Proverbs 27, 1 state. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Jesus even says that, hey, no one knows the day or the hour of his coming. Could be now. Now. Right now. Anytime. It's, the, it's up to God's choosing. God does promise this. He promises to be present with us in this life and in the life to come. Thanks be to God. Another practical reality we see here, that's a frailty to life, of life. We see this. What is your life? For you are a mist, like the morning mist over a pond. We see it. It's thick at times. We can feel it. But when that sun comes up, it vanishes away. 
Life is short. We think that we have control over life. It is short. When you are young, you think it is long. When you're in your 30s, you're cruising. When you're in your 40s, you begin to think, man, tomorrow is really not promised. When you're in your 50s, somebody has to help me out with that. I don't know, I'm not in my 50s yet. But I do know, I've heard that when you're older, in those later years, that you begin to realize that, wow, life was short. It has passed by. And I'm sure we all can recognize that as adults. We remember when we were children how slow life was. But now that we're older, we recognize how fleeting it is. So there's a frailty, frailty of, of life here. A mist is something that's here and gone. Just like that. Of course, James addressed this finiteness of life. You appear for a little time and then you vanish. It's, it's just time just goes. You can't grasp it. You cannot hold on to it. You can't control it. Even Jesus illustrates this point in Luke 12, 13. Somebody asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance be between us. And Jesus responded back to the man who made me judge or arbiter of you, over you. And he said to them, hey, take care, guard against uh, covetousness. For one's life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Then he told them a story. He told them a story about this, uh, this, uh, the land of a, a rich man. It produced plentiful. And the rich man thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I would do this. I would just tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I would store all of my riches, all of my grains and goods. And I would say to and I would say to my soul, says the rich man, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and not rich towards God. You see, this is not a parable about someone who has plenty. This is a parable, a parable about what are we doing with the finiteness of our lives? What are we doing with the frailty of our lives? What, what, do, what, are, we, what are we doing with the fragileness of our lives? Are we trusting in God? Are we trusting in ourselves? So herein lies this core problem that James addresses here. It comes back to pride. Verse 16, and it is, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil, James says. As one scholar pointed out, the point of importance here is that boasting is not itself a negative activity or attitude. The question is what it is that one is boasting in. Where do you take your boast? So there are the the merchants here, their attitude and the root problem underlying their plan is their bragging and boasting about what they would do, where they would go, how they would dress, how they would get along, what they can have. It's all 
towards self, bragging towards self, having a self-confidence towards their future based on themselves and not based on God. The Apostle Paul states in 2 Corinthians 10, we do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's areas of influence. Paul is, is, is talking about the expansion of the kingdom, boasting in the work that God is doing. And he says here, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. The one that God commends is the one who is approved. So James here is, is not just, uh, he's not necessarily rebuking these merchants of their plans. Planning is a good thing. Planning is a Godward thing. God wants us to bring the creativity of our planning to him. Instead, he rebukes them for their highly worldly confidence, self-confidence that they're displaying in the pursuit of their goals. This is not only a danger during this time for the people in the first century, it's a danger for us as well. So James is not forbidding us from planning or thinking about the future. You know, we still need to do the practices of taking care of our families. We think about life insurance. We think about saving for retirement. We think about considering an inheritance for our children. We think about wise stewardship. James is not condemning those things. His rebuke here is clear. Any kind of planning for the future that stems from human arrogance and our ability to determine the course of the future events, that's what he's rebuking here. Boasting and arrogance. All such boasting is evil. That's a look at the arrogant merchant who needs to turn his heart and dedicate all of his plans to God, who needs to confess their need for God's favor, and also who needs to recognize that it is through the gifts and favor of God that they achieve whatever they achieve so that God would get the glory and not man. The Lord's merchant, the one that God has called, the one whose heart is set upon the Lord. James says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord's wills, we will live and do this or that. Such a simple sentence, but very profound. What's the disposition of this merchant's heart, the Lord's merchant? He lives under the authority of Jesus. He is the one who is praying the prayer that Jesus taught him to pray. Not my will be done. The Lord's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's the one who following the model of Jesus's prayer, who was in anguish in the garden of Gethsemane, who Jesus prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. 
Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, O Lord. He's the one who lives in the attitude of Jesus, who recognizes that Jesus is the suffering servant. He's having the mind and attitude of, of Jesus, who was in the form of God. Jesus did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. But as he came to earth and was brought up, he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on the cross. And God exalted Jesus so that Jesus will be the one that we are bowing down to in this life and in the life to come. The Lord's merchant lives ready to accept the will of Jesus. He lives, he or she lives ready to take up that cross daily, understanding what it means to deny themselves, to listen to God closely to read from scripture what God is saying, even if they don't understand it, praying, Lord, help me to see what you have for me here. They're ready to accept the cross and and to follow Jesus daily, the hardships of life, recognizing that God is over all. He's able to fix it in time. It has to be his time. He recognized that he accepts the will of Jesus to grieve with him when hardship and pain comes in his life. He recognized that to, if he would save his life, he would lose it. Remembering the words of Jesus that whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains a whole world and loses or forfeits himself? What use is it to say my will be done and not come under the Savior? What use is it? It say my will be done and not have the attitude of Jesus. What use is it if I don't accept the will of Jesus? I'm just pretending. I'm just play acting when I know the grace of God has been poured out on me. And, his, and he's opened my eyes to see that he's the merciful savior that I need to bow down to and follow. What use is it? You see, There was a merchant and he is the one that was dispatched from heaven to earth. He is the one that learned obedience through his suffering. He is the one that went out and purchased men for God from every nation, tribe and tongue and language. He is the one that died on the cross for our sins. That was the purchase price. That was the ransom for you and me who would put your trust in this merchant, the greatest merchant of all. This merchant has gone and he has gained a great profit for himself. Sons and daughters for the heavenly realm. Sons and daughters for the new heavens and new earth. Sons and daughters that are the treasure of God. His treasured possession here on earth. Sons and daughters that are going out, spreading his light and love through what they say, through what they confess of him and what he has done. Not my will be done, but yours, O oh God. 
My life is in your hand, not in my own hand. My possessions, my things belong to you. Bring great glory to yourself, O God, by having me lie prostrate before you so that, God, you may receive the glory so that I will be honored in you and in you alone. You see, being under the sovereign and providential will of God saves us from boasting in ourselves. When we were before him, God can deal with our deceitful hearts that are way beyond what we can understand. But he can understand it. God knows how to grow us up in time. He knows how to give us the patient assurance to wait upon him. And so James says, finally, that anyone who knows the right to do and does not do it, that's sin. What is he talking about here? Anyone knows they're supposed to come under the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him and his ways. Anyone knows that they're to give the credit to him for his will to be done. If you know that, then you are under God. But if you do not do that, that's sin. The Bible names it as sin. So we must not commit these Sins, but instead lay ourselves before him, confess ourselves in the Lord, confess our limitations to him, confess our great need for this Savior, who is indeed the merchant of all. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for you, O oh God, you have spoken to our hearts. And Lord, take what we have heard from your spirit, transform it in us, that we may lay our wills down before you, so that in you, Father, we, we may be glorified with you, not ahead of you, not in spite of you, so that our boast may be in, our, in the Lord Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.